Hi, I'm Sess Busby. Welcome to First Act, the podcast series brought to you by Koshi's Business Builders, where we chat to inspiring innovators across the startup and small business ecosystem. If you're looking for small business inspiration, you can find us at www.koshisbusinessbuilders.com.au or join us on Facebook. Hi, everybody. Today I'm chatting with Usman Iftikhar. Usman is co-founder of Catalyzer, an accelerated program for micropreneurs. He's the 2018 Commonwealth Young Person of the Year, and he's also one of the honorees on our inaugural Koshi's Business Builders Power List. Welcome, Usman. So, Usman, uh, if we could just go back a little bit. Um, you came to Australia in 2013, and like a lot of um, migrants, you had struggles trying to find employment. You're a mechanical engineer, um, you know, this massively qualified person, and yet um, it was incredibly difficult for you to get work in your chosen field. So can you tell me a little bit about how disheartening that might have been and and then um, the steps that you kind of took to get yourself out of that? Sure. Um, so I uh, came to Australia in 2013 and uh, with an engineering, mechanical engineering degree, as you said, and uh, the what I also did here was I did a master's in uh, engineering management from University of Wollongong. Um, mm-hmm. And the thinking was that, okay, I've done... Um, this engineering degree from Pakistan, I've studied here, I've got some work experience both in Pakistan as well as sort of doing some internships and so on here mm. locally, so I shouldn't have a problem getting into employment, but that wasn't the case. I found it extremely difficult, as you said, to get into uh, any meaningful employment, so I was doing a lot of casual work, like working at 7-Eleven, BP, um, like, you know, the sort of stores and, and so forth, mm. um, and, and we did that for a couple of years after graduation. Um, and I quickly remember this one incident where, um, like, you know, that was sort of like the, the time where I decided that I want to quit that and I should do something different. And, and that was like, you know, working a night shift at a BP, um, down in Queen Park. Um, and just basically, you know, with, with nothing else to do, you know, looking around, trying to be, you know, like trying to, I guess, make myself busy, you know, and, and there's like the, the whole store is empty and there's like some delivery that I need to put on the shelf. Uh, and so I'm just like uh, walking out and looking at different things. And one of the things that I notice is uh, while I'm putting the delivery out is that there is uh, cat food and dog food um, that I have to put out. Um, yeah. And on that, uh, basically, there is uh, like a you know, chicken in there. And so like, you know, my mind, because it's so frustrating and just want some challenge, it's like thinking, why do us humans use sheep, like, you know, basically one animal to make food for another animal while they can, you know, just eat each other in the wild if they want to. Uh, and then that was the sort of moment where I went, okay, well, maybe I'm just overthinking too much and, you know, I'm just not using my um, sort of thinking skills clearly and properly here. Um, so I need to do something different. So, like, it took me, like, less than a week to, you know, resign from that work and go, okay, well, what can I do and how can I create my own job? Um, and then I guess that sort of then led down the pathway of, um, if I want to create my own job, then, you know, like the, the easiest way to do that is through starting a business because I've tried setting up resumes, tried networking events and conferences and expos, but none of that have worked for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So based off of that, um, I, and I also want to do something social because coming from Pakistan, I've seen a lot of different social issues and, um, I wanted to do, like, you know, sort of give back as well. And, and this was a great opportunity for me to do that. 
So I saw um, there's a program in Parramatta that was happening, which was uh, you know, a program for young people who wanted to start a social enterprise. So I applied. I wasn't really sure if I'm going to get in, but I was pretty lucky to get into that. Um, and then through that program, um, essentially met my co-founder, uh, Jake Muller, and we were discussing about a bunch of different ideas and, you know, what I can and can't start. Um, and then just, you know, like talking to different mentors and trying to sort of figure it out that, that what hit me was, you know, why don't I try to solve a problem for myself? Mm-hmm. Um, which is the, that, you know, like that I'm trying to create a job for myself and why can't that be a problem and a premise for my own business or my own social enterprise? And that led to the pathway for Catalyzer where, uh, basically there's so many other immigrants and refugees that I've seen working at uh, a lot of these casual jobs, like driving Ubers, working at petrol stations and so on, um, who could be, um, you know, like uh, using their skill set in a much better way. And so, like, my thinking was that if I wanted to use entrepreneurship as a way out, they also have that opportunity. Um, so that was the thinking behind Catalyzer. And then we just gave it a go around a pilot to see whether it would work. Um, in our sort of first program, we took 10 people in in partnership with the local community migrant resource center in Parramatta. Um, and then through that, I, sort of the, out of those 10 actually, three of them actually started a business that's running to this, to this day. Um, and so that was something which, um, sort of, you know, we went, okay, there's some, some potential here. We don't really know what we're doing. We're just getting started and, and setting it all up. But even then we've seen some good results and outcomes. So, um, you know, like if we do this properly and if we sort of put all of our effort into this, then maybe this can become something, uh, really interesting. And so, yes, now, Obviously, Catalyzer has been going on for a while and has done pretty well. Um, so you were talking about back in um, Pakistan, you'd seen a lot of social issues, and that was one of the drivers for wanting to um, develop a social enterprise. Was there anything specific that that you're talking about in that area? I mean, uh, Pakistan has a lot of issues from education to um, you know poverty to women's rights to climate change. Uh, but like climate change, I think it's probably one of those key issues that is sort of front and center. Um, even if people don't realize that as climate change, um, it's definitely affecting Pakistan. So whether there's droughts or floods, I personally got injured in one of the floodings that happened uh, back in 2010 in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I've had a very sort of vivid memory of that. And, and I've sort of seen a lot of people suffer from like heat strokes and things like that. Um, and given that my parents are also like medical doctors in Pakistan, um, you know, like we've come across a lot of these different stories. And then when you put the two and two together, you can see how climate change is affecting people right now, uh, whether that's their livelihood, whether that's their health and sort of other outcomes. And so like that's a driver that I really want to sort of focus on as well um, and, and looking at different ways in which we can deal with that. Yeah. So is there any reason then that that's not the avenue that you pursued? Well, I mean, initially my idea when I applied to the School for Social Entrepreneurs was to start um, like a green energy clean tech business. Um, yeah. and, and the thinking behind that was Australia is such an abundant country. We've got solar, wind, all these possibilities, and we can do so much more here. And, mm-hmm. and again, their thinking there was that, you know, there's not much support there for renewable energy and clean tech businesses. So maybe we can do some sort of consulting work or helping people out or even set up our own. Um, and when I sort of started um, like researching, I found there's another organization at the time that was just setting up called Energy Lab, who are yeah. themselves uh, like accelerators for clean tech startups. And, and they were at a very early stage at the time. So I went, hey, look, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. 
it's better if I sort of, you know, like collaborate with them. So I sent them my business plan and said, you know, this is what I've been thinking. And obviously, you know, you guys are two steps ahead of me, so you can uh, uh, sort of, you know, take it and run with it. And then finally enough, it went full circle. So after, like, you know, leaving that and then starting Catalyzer, like after about six months or a year, I got a sort of retire back um, saying, hey, you know, we're interested in having a chat with you. And I met with their co-founder and director peers um, who said, look, um, you're, you're someone who understands accelerators since you're running one. And you also have an understanding of energy given your sort of engineering background. So why don't you come and work with us uh, as well? So that was like a way for me to also just do some consulting work with Energy Lab, um, like we run a hackathon and electric vehicles in Sydney and so forth. So yeah, like I have been involved in that space. Um, it's just the Catalyzer has been the main focus. Yeah. Um, and even some of the initiatives that are coming through Catalyzer are also addressing climate change. Um, so we had a, a renewable energy startup that came out of the last cohort, uh, Robert, which is started by Robert, who's from Zimbabwe, um, and that's called Green Grid Energy. Um, and they're doing the microgrid for Zimbabwe. Um, there's another one um, that which is um, called Natural Pana, and what they have is they're making these sort of palm leaf uh, plates. Um, they're biodegradable and it's biodegradable and you can sort of, you know, do that. And they're bringing them from uh, India to Australia as like a way to replace plastic waste. Um, or we have um, science is like in water democracy. So we try to be able to like uh, create new water purification technologies to solve the water crisis. So there's a lot of these initiatives um, that have also started by some of the migrant uh, entrepreneurs that are focused on that as well. Yeah, it sounds like there's a real focus on using technology and entrepreneurship to solve these real-world problems. Is that what you wanted to do with Catalyzer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, we wanted to be more than just, you know, uh, a regular app or something or things like that. Um, but also, you know, like the like part of it is also the sort of spirit of migrants and refugees as well because uh, when you – get them into a design thinking role in startup session and you ask them to think about a problem that they want to solve for a customer, uh, their thinking automatically, including myself, goes to like big social problems that we've seen throughout our own lives uh, mm. because we haven't like lived through a lot of privilege. And so uh, that's something that I think is sort of like ingrained uh, because of people's life experiences. So uh, like a lot of people choose to work on social problems themselves and we don't necessarily have to tell them to do that. Like that yeah. just comes from within. Yeah. Um, and you also mentioned during your own process there was a considerable kind of mentoring. How vital do you think mentoring is to the success of an entrepreneur or startup? I think mentoring is crucially important. Um, and the reason why is because, A, obviously I've tested it on myself. Like we've got so many mentors that supported me personally as well as Catalyzer. Uh, but I've seen how that makes a difference in, in lives of other um, some early stage entrepreneurs in particular. Um, because, um, you know, I do a lot of coaching and working with startups and, and, and what I see is that there are very common questions that come up. And if you sort of live through them, like, you know, you can offer like a lot of, uh, like really basic advice that helps people uh, solve a lot of problems really quickly. Um, so, I mean, it just helps people move much faster, helps people solve problems much more uh, effectively. Um, and not obviously not all mentoring advice is right. So people also need to filter through, you know, if anyone has any particular agenda when they're providing for them advice and things like that. But uh, holistically, what I found is that mentoring is really useful. Um, and, and the other thing that mentoring provides is networks, right? So for a lot of times, like if you actually have mentors who are 
senior or who are connected, more connected than you are. And they also, if you do what you know they want you to do, or if you follow their advice, generally they're also open to connecting you with other investors, connecting you with their network for customers and so on as well. So it's not just network uh, mentoring for the sake of mentoring either. Yeah. Uh, and I guess um, as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, it can be really isolating. Sometimes you're just the only one trying to come up with the solution. So having someone to bounce off, I think, must be vital. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. Um, and we've had, I've seen that so much. And, and like, you know, the other sort of reason of running a, a accelerator program is to connect people as well. Because, you know, a lot of times, like, people, friends and family don't really understand what you're going through when you're starting a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having you know, that, that cohort of people, whether that's your peers or whether that's your mentors and advisors, is really, really vital um, to sort of, you know, um, struggle, to, to be part of that struggle with you. And then you don't feel alone. Um, and yeah, it's just like, you know, like no one individually can solve uh, the tough problems and decisions that business offers us. Uh, and a lot of them are sort of ethical dilemmas. Um, and so it's really the more it eyes and the more ears that you can put on some of this stuff, you know, the better it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, I also um, read that you were, last year, you were the Commonwealth Young Person of the Year and you got an award from Prince Harry, was it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> How was that? Was that completely unexpected? <laughs> it was. It was an alternate reality. Um so I did a program with um, you know, after started Catalyzer with another organization called Foundation for Young Australians, mm. and they've got this amazing program called Young Social Pioneers, where they bring a, a lot of young um, social entrepreneurs together and just do boot camps and trades and you know, just get them to build a community. Um, and they um, they nominated me for that award. So for different countries, different like I guess youth organizations, and nominated people and individuals can nominate themselves as well. So that was completely unexpected that I'm going to win it. I initially found out that I've been the Pacific, like the winner for the sort of regional Pacific area. And for me, it was like, you know, even that's a massive achievement. Um, but then they were like, you know, yeah, we'll fly to London, like all the winners, and you've got to stand on stage. Anyone at that time, I was like, surely people in Asia or somewhere else are going to win. Like, there's no way. Uh, but it was very, very lucky. Um, and I think one of the reasons why is also because migration is such a topical issue these days, yeah. um, particularly because, of, you know, like what's happening internationally. So, yeah, I think that that would have contributed as well. So I consider myself extremely lucky. It's just, you know, like thinking about it, it's like one out of 1.4 billion young people living in uh, all of Commonwealth countries. It's just like yeah. a massive honor. <laughs> Have you been able to use it, like leverage the award? Has it helped you draw more attention to Catalyzer or get more publicity? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has been really, really uh, amazing because it helped us, like, you know, get more funding, which is always important to sort of continue and to contribute to our cause helps us get a lot more media and sort of, you know, reach as well, um, particularly with the Commonwealth. Um, and like um, one of the, well, we got noticed by the UN and, and they were doing this report, which is a policy guide on entrepreneurship for refugees and migrants. So they were looking at like different countries and they, there was a sort of joint study between UNHCR, International Organization for Migration and the UN Conference on Trade and Development. Um, and we, uh, like, after sort of this award, we also got recognized there as sort of part of that report as one of the best case practice. Um, and I um, got invited to do a keynote at the UN World Investment Forum last year, um, yeah. where we launched this report with, like, you know, the Secretary General of some of these organizations. So, uh, 
that's been absolutely amazing just to be a part of that. Uh, and I don't think that would have happened uh, if we didn't have that award sort of backing us up because it provides you with that credibility that then helps you in so many different ways. And it's kind of continuing to compound as well over time, uh, whether that's like, you know, working with different governments on different initiatives. Uh, for example, uh, the Commonwealth Secretary invited me to do a sort of um, speaking gig with um, like all the Pacific youth um, in Fiji last year. Um, and they, you know, they had young people from like Tuvalu and Cook Islands and, you know, Fiji and like so many different places. Um, and it was all about social enterprise and all about social change and like some of the issues that they're facing um, with the UN and with a bunch of other sort of uh, bodies present and funding it. Um, so it was great to just have that sort of explosion opportunities to connect with more people and sort of share ideas. Yeah. Uh, um, and what do you think are the main challenges that migrapreneurs face when trying to get their ventures off the ground then? So again, like there are three to four different things, um, the sort of challenges, but also opportunities we say, and that's what we also provide. So the, one of the biggest things is network. Um, when you come to a new country, you just don't have access to a network, whether that's for finding your customers, whether that's, you know, mentors, whether that's for investment. Um, so that's something that we help them plug into, like a ready-made network that's also sort of growing because of the network effects over time. Um, the second thing we have is for a lot of people who move to a different country, they don't really understand the landscape and the environment, so their confidence in their own ability actually drops significantly. Um, this is something that we've seen that you know people might be amazing engineers or amazing accountants or any of the other fields, but once they come to a different country, particularly Australia, and you know once they get rejected a lot of times, then even though they're resilient, they find it really difficult to do something new or do something creative. Uh, with it, and so this is another opportunity for us to just like empower them and build them their self confidence. Um, so it's a lot of that soft skill stuff as well. Um, the third one, I guess, is like just basic skills and capabilities, which might be missing, particularly if you want to start a business. Um, so for a lot of migrant entrepreneurs, depending on the country they're coming from, they've got very different business landscapes. <laughs> Excuse me. So if you're coming from say, a country which does not have a lot of regulation or a lot of different things, then, you know, obviously you're going to struggle in Australia if you don't follow the same rules uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, here we've got, like, a bunch of different regulations and legislations for good reason. Um, similarly, uh, there's also the, the sort of piece where uh, migrapreneurs can, um, you know, get, like they can start a amazing project or whatever, but if just, just don't know how to get the word out or if they can't find funding, then they, that, that limits their sort of uh, progress. And, and oftentimes you find uh, migrants are sort of focused on either their own community, like a specific cultural community or specific region. And that's something that also limits them. It's harder to scale. So like breaking down some of those barriers is something that is hard on an individual level. And that's where I think we also provide that value because we can sort of collectivize that and, you know, introduce people to each other. Yeah. So in terms of barriers and building resilience, from your own experience, what's the best way that people can can break down barriers and build resilience? Um, for breaking down barriers, uh, I think that, like, it's obviously everyone's responsibility. But on an individual level, um, like, you know, people have to, from a migrant perspective, you have to put yourself out there and try stuff, right? You have to... You know, um, like just be open to new opportunities, different things, programs and so on. Um, but at the same time, you also have to um, just accept that failure is a part of the, the equation. 
And, you know, the more times you get knocked back, it shouldn't sort of put you down. It should be seen as an opportunity to grow. It should be seen as an opportunity to do something different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that's like sort of my personal message, right, which is uh, that although I was getting rejected from all the different job opportunities, I didn't give up um, sort of pursuing that. And and then and even if when I did, I always did as a way to sort of go around the system. Um, and so a lot of people can sort of think about that and see opportunities, and, and they do as well. So we did this study, uh, a research study done by CGU Insurance, who's one of our partners. Um, they looked at migrant small business owners across Australia, and they found that uh, I mean, 33% of Australian small businesses are run by migrants. And, and out of that, the the the, the great stat was that 83% of these business owners did not have a business back in their own country. So that's really massive, right? A lot of them yeah. have not had a business. Um, so whether that's through necessity or whether they've bought an opportunity that's specific to Australia, we don't know. Uh, but it's just really interesting for that to sort of look into a bit deeper and see why that is. Um, and, 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 and sort of my personal gut feel is that most of that comes from that necessity. That, you know, if you don't have the right opportunities, if you have those barriers, then you go and you you know you start your own business, and we've seen that over and over again. Mm. Well, it, it is very typical of Australian history, isn't it? Like you get these waves, um, the different waves of immigration that happen throughout our country's history, and through those we've just developed a very multicultural society. You know, like the Chinese coming, the the um, Italians coming, the Greeks coming, the, the Indians coming, like Pakistanis coming, like it is quite amazing how our culture has evolved simply because of the wonderful influence of migrants. So, yeah, good on all those migrant people that have created new businesses. That's what I take. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And I mean, even right now, we've got the highest, you know, the per capita rate of migration, like 28% of the Australian population was born in the States. Uh, this is what we'll be talking about first generation, right? So, uh, yeah, it's a very significant number of people. Yeah. So what's next for you guys at, at Catalyzer? Yeah, so uh, a few things. Firstly, we are we're running up sort a of cohort five this time around. What we've done is that this time around, we're also um, just breaking up the six months program into two separate paces. Um, so the first one, we're actually going to, we, we have, we're really ambitious. We want to put 100 people through um, and then help a lot of people at that early idea stage to sort of go to the next stage. And then in the second stage, um, you know, help the sort of top 20 startups focus. And this time around, we're also providing a couple of them funding as well of 10K. This is a pre-seed to be able to, you know, incorporate their business and, you know, spend some money and building stuff that they need to. Um, in the future, what we also want to do is uh, potentially look at, you know, funding more startups and, and to be able to find a, a partner who can help us with funding. Uh, particularly startups, because we've got partners to help us run the program, but we don't have that yet. Um, the second thing we're looking at is scaling to other states. So sort of our next go-to is Victoria, um, and then we're talking to you know like a few different uh, partners in Melbourne. So you know there might be some good news soon on that front as well. Do you think we're doing enough in New South Wales to support in- innovation and entrepreneurship? I think that the initiative by State government, the, the New South Wales um, Sydney Startup Hub has been fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that like you know we've utilised a lot, just because it like provides that central hub where we get together. Um, I know that there is plans to build a Western Sydney Startup Hub as well uh, in Parramatta, in North Parramatta, so we are in touch with them 
um, as well. So I think that those two are really great initiatives. Obviously, Jobs for New South Wales is just generally providing grants and funding and support, which has been amazing. But I think there's definitely an opportunity to do a lot more. Particularly, <laughs> I think what we do lack is a vision for how do we uh, position ourselves as a, as a, as a state or, or as a city. Um, that, that wants to be at the forefront of innovation. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's a lot of opportunities that we do have that we can take, right? So as an example, the way like that I think about this from a migrant perspective is that we've got so many migrants in, in Sydney or in New South Wales that um, like why are we not like getting them to sell and scale in their own countries? So for example, mm-hmm. and that's something that we also want to do at Catalyzer, which is, yes, we can start a business here, but we know that Australian market is really tiny um, and, you know, if you want to say if you're from China and you're starting a business there, why don't you grow uh, your business in China? So we recently partnered with Haymarket HQ because they help people do that. Um, and it's a similar um, sort of thing for other countries and other sort of areas. And because you're a migrant who's lived in both countries, personally, you understand the cultures and customs and, and ways of doing business in, in most cases. Uh, that is extremely valuable. So how do we really leverage that is something that, I think we're not doing at the moment properly, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there personally. Yeah. So any advice for uh, a migrant or refugee that's got an idea ticking away in their head and is reluctant to get it out there? Uh, I mean, the first advice is, like, when Mike is just do it. Um, that's the best thing that, like, I've sort of gotten advice for. There's a lot of people who sit down and keep planning but not actually do stuff. I think that like you should use the opportunity just to just test stuff, put it out there, see what people think, and then take that feedback and then improve on it. Don't like plan for three years and then launch something really big and then realize it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the sort of main thing that people try to wait too long before they release their products or they release their idea into the world. So just do it, just set it up, and then if you're interested, um, then you know we also definitely apply to Catalyzer. Uh, and we can provide some that support to help yeah. you get to that next stage. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Usman. Thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it as well. And that's it for First Act. Don't forget, if you're looking for small business inspiration and advice, head to koshisbusinessbuilders.com.au.